So we use this phrase, the future is bright. And we all generally have an understanding of what we mean when we say or use that phrase. And it's essentially this idea that a person or even an organization is poised and has the potential for a really, really successful life in the future. That's essentially what we mean when we use that phrase. And then there's a lots of different ideas that go with it. It's, it's the, the future is positive. It's very exciting. It has a lot of promise. It's very, it's full of hope. So the future is hopeful. There's a lot of potential either in an individual or in an organization. It's oftentimes a nod to talent like that. They have so much talent. Their future is bright. Talks a lot about opportunity and prosperity, success. It even has something to do with confidence. I'm, I'm confident because my future is bright. It's promising. I have a lot of potential. You know, is that all familiar to you guys? There's a couple of different ways that we say the same thing. And here's one that's very popular. We'll say the world is his oyster. Now it's actually a, a quote from a play of Shakespeare. Not exactly like that, but that was the sentiment of what he uh, wrote into one of his plays. And it was the idea that an oyster, it's, it's kind of hard to get into, but it holds out the potential that's a really valuable, priceless pearl inside. So the, the future is bright. So we use this phrase to say that either a person or an organization, they could do anything, they could go anywhere if they continue on the path that they're on. But there's some other ways that we say it. We say, um, she's a rising star. She's a lot of potential, a lot of talent, a lot of promise. He has life by the horns. He's like, he's got it in his control. She has everything going for her. Um, maybe in a business sense or a corporate sense, everything is headed up and to the right. All the charts are going in the right direction. We might say they're knocking it out of the park or everything is coming up roses. So when an organization or when an individual has a really bright future, we might, we might tease like this. That my future is so bright, I have to wear sunglasses. <laughs> and here's the truth. There's some of you in the room today, and that's how you feel. You feel like your future's bright. You're feeling really good about where you are right now. Like personally, just down in the center of who you are. You're, you're at a good place. You're, your soul is centered. You're feeling content in a good way. You're, you're grateful. You're, you're feeling really hopeful and excited about the future. Some of you professionally, everything's, everything's going exactly as planned. You're having an impact in your company. You're getting promoted. You're getting rewarded for your contribution to the bottom line or to the bigger picture. And, and it's, it's looking really good for you professionally. Relationally, things are really well. Maybe you've, you've met somebody and you're starting to date. And they're, they're really a wonderful person. You're really excited to be in a relationship with them. Or, or maybe your marriage is in a really good, healthy place. And things are strong at home and you're happy together. Financially, your future's bright. You've made also really good choices and your money's working for you. And even in the face of a crazy economy right now, you're still, your future's bright. And, and maybe for many of you spiritually, you're at a good place. You feel like, you, like you're making sense of a relationship with Christ and, 
and, and you're trusting God and you're, you're not living in fear or worried about a lot of things because you really have turned your life over to God and you feel really confident about his, his place and providing for you and protecting you. So your future is bright. And you know what? That, that, that's not a bad thing to admit that. That's not arrogant. That's just, that's just a good place to be. And, and if your future is bright, then it ought to be celebrated with a lot of humility and a lot of gratefulness. But, but here's something to keep in mind. Keep your habits right. Keep your future bright. You're probably doing some things and you have been doing some things over a course of time that it's provided a really promising future for yourself. And it would be wise for you to keep in mind what are the things that have gotten me to this place that I need to continue to do if I hope, if I hope to continue down a path of a really bright future. Does that make sense? But come on. Come on, Every one of us knows a story or two. We either know it personally or somebody who's close to us or we've read a story or two about, about somebody who had a really bright future. They had all the potential and promise in the world and, and then, then something changed. And they veered off course. And they squandered the opportunity that they have with either, you know, like an attitude change or, or they started doing some things that they hadn't done before. And, and it, it started sending them off in a different direction. I mean, this is, a, this is a sad story. At one time we say she has everything going for her. And then when the story is she had everything going for her. The future's not so bright. We think of like talented students who really, really had a knack for, for academics and, and they were really disciplined in their study and they worked hard and then, and then something changed. And they neglected some of those essential disciplines of how to be a good student and, and then their future wasn't so bright anymore. We heard a lot about aspiring athletes just had the world by the horns athletically they were they had all the capability all the promise and then the story goes dramatically wrong occasionally we'll, we'll meet like up-and-coming celebrities they play these little bit roles and in, in these movies but they do so well and they kind of shine and next thing you know they're they're being invited to be the lead in a in a bigger high more profile movie and and then they sort of have a few movies to their name and then they sort of disappear their future was bright and then it isn't. You hear about companies, successful ventures, startups that get off the ground and they're just going and blowing and they're, they're producing widgets and they're providing a service and the bottom line is just off the charts. And then something changes. And it's not like that anymore. Impressive individuals who just have so much talent and, and they have this contagious personality and they, they just, they're promising and then something changes. You know, preparing for this series of messages, I was, I was doing some research on stories about like individuals who had a bright future and then it all went really wrong. 
And there was a bunch of stories like that, and I, I probably read through maybe five or six different stories, and I was, I was struck by the fact that three or four of the stories that I read were about athletes. And one of the stories I got really intrigued with, and this, this reporter had written this really extensive um, look at this one particular individual, and I just found myself kind of pulled in. And this this young man, he, he grew up in the state of Florida, and he was a phenomenal football player. He had the big three. You know what the big three are? He had size. He was huge. He had strength. He had like the strength of an ox. And then he had speed. And so if he could get all that size and that strength going as fast as he did, he literally dominated the high school football scene in Florida. He was like a man among boys. And he not only tackled you, he usually hurt you. And as you might imagine, all the big Division I college football programs, they were just salivating at the opportunity to get this guy. And they all came calling. They all came offering all sorts of opportunity to him. And a really interesting part of the story is that he, he personally chronicled his recruitment trips to like the University of Miami and Florida State and, and Auburn and a couple other of the big name schools. And he promised that he was going to be completely honest about what, went hap- what happened on the recruiting trips. It was pretty insightful. And this was the first time really when the public started to see what was going on at universities to try to entice these, you know, top line, top shelf athletes to come and play for them. And on one of his recruiting trips, he, he made some really lousy choices. And he got in some big trouble. And the week after that he had gone on that particular trip to that particular school, he declared that he would go play for another school. And the author of the article was pretty sure that the charges against him would have never made the light of day if he had chosen the school where those things had happened. But he chose another school. And so he got, he got arrested. Unfortunately, a judge sort of saw some potential and promise in him and, and sort of basically let him off the hook. But he continued to keep getting in trouble. And the author was writing about the fact that something changed. His attitude changed. His his work ethic changed. It's like he got really full of himself and he started believing all the good press. and, And suddenly coaches couldn't tell him anything anymore. So he went off to the University of Miami and he played for two years. And then he got cut. And the next several years of his life was just these spiraling down into smaller and smaller football programs at schools that there were more football players on the field than there were fans in the stands. His future was bright. All kinds of potential and promise. But in April of next year, 2023... He'll be released from prison. And he'll be 40 years old. All that promise, all that potential, a very, very bright future. Squandered, lost. He'll live the rest of his life wondering 
What happened? What did I do? How could I have let that happen? And it's not hard to believe that in a room this size and folks watching online, that you're here today and you're feeling like your future isn't so bright. You made some choices along the way. You, you did some things. You neglected some things that had been really important to where you had been when there was so much promise, but then you let those things go. And now in the backwash of your choices, you're sitting here today and you're feeling like, you know, my future isn't very bright. Personally, you're not at a good place. You're angry, you're discontent, you're resentful, you're bitter, you're lost, you're confused. Maybe professionally things are, are not what they had promised to be. You find yourself just sort of biding time, no real hope of promotion or reward. Relationally, maybe you're, you're struggling in a marriage or all your friends have sort of created some distance between you and them because of kind of where you've been, the journey you've been on. Maybe financially you're having, you're having a real challenge trying to make ends meet. The truth, of that, the truth of the matter is maybe spiritually you're like, you know what, I'm done with this. It doesn't work. I've tried the God thing. I've tried behaving myself. I've tried to do all the things, but it, it's not working. Spiritually, you feel really, really far from God. And maybe the fact that you're even here today, you're just hanging on by a little thread of faith, hoping that somehow something's gonna pull you up out of the place where you are. See, the future's bright until somebody strays off the path that got them to where they were. And something changes, poor choices, a lack of discipline behavior. We start doing foolish things and then the future that was bright isn't so bright anymore. And you know, it's interesting. I've been a pastor now for 30 plus years. I've been a human now for 60. <laughs> and, and what I've noticed is that that everything can change. The way things were at one time, then suddenly they're not. And sometimes that's like dramatic or sudden. There's some sort of drama, some sort of thing that, that just creates this, this enormous upheaval in your life and it changes suddenly. But most of the time, listen to me, most of the time, it's not a sudden change. It's, it's very incremental. It just sort of happens slowly but surely. It's sort of like an airplane and it's headed in a certain course, but the pilot adjusts just one degree. And one degree here isn't a big deal, but over the miles, you get further and further and further off course. And some of you, your future was bright, but little by little, you just veered off course. And now you find yourself far, far away from where you ever hoped or dreamed. 
But I have good news for you. And I mean this from the bottom of my heart. It can be different. It can be different. I love this quote. Just because your past didn't turn out like you wanted doesn't mean your future can't be better than you imagined. That's not blowing smoke. That's just not a pep talk. I, I absolutely believe that. And in this series that we're about to tackle the futures, right, I want to show you why I believe that. And it doesn't have anything to do with me. It has everything to do with God. So, so here we are, the 25th anniversary of Cibolo Creek Community Church. And you know what? I believe, and a lot of other people believe, that our future is bright as a church. The future is bright for Cibolo Creek Community Church. From all the indicators, the objective ones and the subjective ones, we have every reason to believe that the future of our church is really, really promising. Right now, we're experiencing a growth curve that's been unprecedented. Since January, we have changed dramatically just the number of people attending our church. We have a wonderful staff team in place. We've just added some wonderful people. We're getting ready to add a couple of more. We just have this wonderful group of talented, passionate, committed people who want to see the vision of our church come to pass. And, and we just couldn't be more grateful for the team that's been assembled. We have, we have dozens of talented, committed, wonderful volunteers that are making our church work. Hundreds of people have rolled up their sleeves and their commitment to this church and said, I'm in and I'll help. We need more as we anticipate a second service, but, but the ones that are in place, they're just wonderful. I'm so grateful for our volunteers. I love our volunteers because they remind me every Sunday, I'm not in this alone. Financially, Cibolo Creek is at an amazing place. Through the generosity of this congregation and through the careful management of our board of trustees, we're in a really, really solid place financially. We have a lot to be thankful for. We're a debt-free church. This entire campus is paid for, and we own 37 acres just down the road. It's all paid for. There are churches in America who have never known what it is to be debt-free, and we've been debt-free for years. The future is very bright at Cibolo Creek, especially when you stop to consider that this area, Fair Oaks Ranch and Leon Springs and Bernie and Bolverde, it's just, it's just blossoming. Thousands of families coming to this area because they, they want to be a part of what's happening in this community. They want to be a part of our school system. And so the, the, the opportunity for this church to reach thousands of people is extraordinary. The future is very bright here at Cibolo Creek Community Church. But you know what? There's no guarantees that it'll always be that way. And honestly, as, as your pastor, I just tell you, I, I find myself thinking a lot these days about how do I sustain the bright future that is ahead of us? How, how do we do that? Are there any guarantees? And I'll tell you, yes, there are. There are guarantees and I believe in them. And those guarantees, they're founded in the pages of the Bible, the word of God, the words of God to his people. And in here, God has established some principles and he's made some promises that if we will honor them, he will bless. That it is possible, it is possible 
to continue to have a very bright future as a church if we stay committed to the things that God chooses to bless. And that's what I'd like to explore with you over the next several weeks. I've invited several members of our teaching team, our pastors to join me in this series and they're gonna be sharing from their heart about ways that Sybil Creek can be guaranteed of God's continued blessing toward our church. But I wanna say something before we dive into to the, like the, the meat of today's message. I wanna say something and I wanna make sure you're listening. Are you listening? It's still early, okay? The temptation will be for you to conclude, well, this is a series about the church. And you wouldn't be wrong because we are gonna talk about the bright future of Sybil Creek Community Church. But it's not just about our church as a whole. It is about you and your life. And here's why I say that. Are you listening? For 25 years now, I've been trying to help our church understand that the church is not a building. And the church is not an institution. And the church isn't services and groups and classes. Those are some things that happen around churches, but that is not the church. The church is not stained glass and steeples and pews and pulpits. That, that has never been the church. Now, some people throughout history, that's what they've made church, but that was never God's imagination. That was never Jesus' intention. The church was always about people, committed followers of Jesus Christ who banded together as a community to do what it is that Jesus asked them to do. That is the church. Now, listen to me. If God has established in the scriptures ways that he intends to bless the church with success, it is just as true for the church as it is for you as an individual Christian because you are the church. Did you follow that? Rather than check out and think, well, this is just about the organization of Sibylla Creek Community Church. This is about you as a follower of Jesus Christ. What we're gonna share over the next several Sundays is some principles and some promises that God has made to the church that if the church will honor those practices, he will bless them. And I believe that that's just as true for you as a Christian as it is for the larger group of followers of Jesus. You say, uh, Paul, can I interrupt you here for a second? Sure. You keep saying, if I'm a Christian, God has promised to bless. I have to be honest with you. If you've never begun a relationship with Jesus Christ by faith, trusting him to be your savior and asking him to be the Lord of your life, then the promises of scripture that God has made to his people, they don't apply to you. It doesn't mean there isn't value in them. It doesn't mean that you can't garner some wisdom from them, but God has not promised to bless those who are not his children. That's why I continue to be as courageous as I can to invite you to seriously consider a relationship with Jesus Christ by faith as your Lord and your Savior because there is a Bible full of promises guaranteeing you a very bright future if in fact you are a child of God. Amen. So I'm asking you, 
please listen to this series over the next seven weeks. Listen to it on two levels. What is God saying to us as a church and what is God saying to me as an individual follower of Jesus Christ? Does that make sense? Okay. So the future is bright until it isn't. And the truth of the matter is that history shows very clearly that churches veer off course. It happens. It's happened in the past. We can look at history and we can see churches that started out strong. They started out with amazing passion and, and tremendous focus. And then they made some decisions and some things changed and they veered off course. I mean, just historically, we can look at the Church of Europe. When you think about the greatest awakening spiritually that happened in the Western world, it happened in Europe, and yet you could go to Europe today and you'd be hard-pressed to find evangelical churches confident and courageously declaring the gospel of Jesus Christ that haven't been compromised by liberal theology and ideology that's far, far afield from the pages of the scripture and the truth of the gospel. Because things changed. It's happening in America. There are churches that started out strong and their future was bright, but they've made some decisions and they've adjusted some attitudes and they've neglected some priorities and their church isn't headed in a bright future direction anymore. And what I want you to understand is that could happen to us. It could happen to us. And here's why I tell you that. It's because there's a couple of churches in the scriptures that started off well. But they veered off course. And two of those churches serve as examples for churches throughout all of history. It was true back in the first century. These things happened to them. But the nature of the letter that was written to them indicates that they serve as representatives of churches in the 3rd century, in the 5th century, in the 13th century, and the 21st century. Churches in Asia and churches in Africa and churches in Europe and churches in America. And it can happen to churches in Fair Oaks Ranch. So I want to invite you, if you have your Bibles, come with me to the book of Revelation. Book of Revelation. Now, the book of Revelation, if you've ever ventured into it, you know it's kind of weird. And that's by nature. It's prophetic literature. And so it's strange and it's odd. And you're like, what in the world? And, and here's the thing about prophetic literature. It uses a lot of imagery, pictures to try to describe really hard things that are hard to understand. But in the first couple of chapters of the book of Revelation, the author declares some messages to churches that existed in the first century. And we can learn some things from them. In Revelation chapter two, he writes to one church, God's saying this to this church, I know your deeds and you guys are knocking it out of the park, your hard work, your perseverance through persecution. You have persevered. You have endured hardship for my name. You've not grown weary. Your stamina, your endurance is so admirable. I just love, I love your commitment. I love your endurance. I love your focus. But, but notice the letter changes. Yet I hold this against you. 
you've forsaken the love that you had at first. What happened to your love? Consider how far you've fallen from where you started. God's advice to this church is repent. Do the things that you did at first when you were getting started. If you do not repent, I will come to you and I'll remove your light, your lampstand from its place. You just won't, you just won't have any influence anymore. And he's writing to this church in the first century and this letter serves as an example for churches for time to come. But he says that you've lost your first love. Are you listening? Yes. Churches can lose their first love. Churches can end up making it about church instead of about Jesus. When Sybil Creek started in our commitment to follow Jesus, we had a first love and that was an understanding that our church would serve lost people, that seekers would always be welcome here and we would do our best to try to serve and create an environment for them to explore their faith as people who are just checking it out, who are you know, looking under the hood and kicking the tires and it's possible to lose that first love. Are you listening to me? For you as an individual Christian, it's possible to lose your first love. Where Jesus isn't all that important to you anymore. The things of God really don't hold much value in your life because you're chasing after so many other things that you love more. It's possible to, that you've lost your first love. And the words of this letter was to say, repent. You gotta change your mind. You gotta go back to the things that were so important when you first started this journey. But there's another letter. To the angel of the church at Laodicea. This is a church in the first century. This is the letter or a message to them. The writer says, I know your deeds. What is it with you guys? You're neither hot or cold. I wish you were one or the other. I mean, like, make up your minds. But because you're lukewarm, you're neither hot nor cold. I'm about to spit you out of my mouth, God says to this church. <laughs> tepid. I hate tepid. God's saying, be hot, be cold, be one or the other, but at least make a decision. Make some sort of a commitment in some direction. And he gives us some clues about maybe where they got off course. You ready for this? This is particularly disturbing if you think about our context. You say, I'm rich. I've acquired wealth. I, I, I don't need a thing. God says, but you don't realize really the truth about you. You're wretched, you're pitiful, you're poor, blind, and naked spiritually. You are bankrupt if it weren't for my grace. Your money's not gonna buy your way into heaven. Your money's not gonna buy my grace, my love, my forgiveness. I don't care how much money you have. Standing before a holy, righteous God, it's never enough. So he goes on to say, those whom I love, I rebuke and I discipline. So be earnest and repent. God's saying the whole time, here I am, I'm right here. I stand at the door, I'm knocking on the door of your heart. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, that choice is yours. Notice he's not barging through that door. 
You're a have, you have the choice, the opportunity to open that door to him. I, I'll come in, I'll hang out with them, we'll have lunch, I'll be with them and they'll be with me. So it's possible for a church, it's possible for a church to become lukewarm. Just sort of go through the motions, show up at services now and then, do the things if there isn't a better thing to do. It's possible for a church to get lukewarm. To kind of, kind of put all of its hope in the things that it has lots of, and that could be money, that could be buildings, that could be staff, that could be people, but it's, it's not about a trust in God to meet their needs. You listening? It's possible for a Christian as an individual to become lukewarm. Eh, I'm saved. I get to go to heaven. You lose your passion. You lose your commitment, your, your devotion to Jesus and his grace. So these two churches, they serve as examples of having started out strong. They were recipients of God's blessing. Their future was bright, but they veered off course and they were on the receiving end of God's condemnation, not his commendation. Here's another example. Look at this. Paul writes to the churches of Galatia. This is a region, so there's many churches in this area. He wrote a letter that probably circulated amongst the churches. He says, <laughs> he's writing this church, I'm astonished. Like, I, I don't even have a category for this. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ. Now you're turning to a completely different message, a completely different gospel, which, which is really no gospel at all. You, you just bought a lie. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. A culture, a society, other churches have, have sent you a message that you've bought into and, and now you're veering off course. You're no longer about grace. You've turned it into legalism. It's about the rules and the rituals and the things you have to do and the things you can't do. And, and you've made it something that it was never intended. You made it a religion and not a religion, a relationship with Jesus Christ. So he says, he says, even, even if we are an angel from heaven, should preach a gospel other than the one that we preach to you about Christ crucified, salvation by grace through faith alone. Let them be under God's curse, as we've already said. And so I'll now say it again. If anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. That sounds like serious condemnation. It's possible for churches Start believing the wrong message. It's possible for individual followers of Jesus to be led astray from the truth of the centrality of Jesus Christ in their life. We can go to the Old Testament and look at the nation of Israel. The whole story is about them starting off strong as the people of God, but making choices and changing attitudes and developing poor disciplines. And they, they spiraled out and they were no longer the people of God's blessing. Israel squandered their opportunity. They paid the price. 
And the whole time God's promised them, Israel, if you'll just obey me, if you'll just obey me, I will bless you. Does this make sense? So are there any guarantees for a bright future? I believe there are. But those guarantees of a bright future, they're not in the stock market. They're not in some academic degree. They're not in your personal talent and they're not in money or medicine. Those promises for a successful future, they are found in one place in the entire universe. And that is a life lived honoring God and his purposes and his promises. The Christian, the Christian who commits to honoring the purposes of God, trusting in his promises, the Christian who commits to honoring the purposes of God, trusting in the promises of God, will know the blessing of God in their life. Folks, that is not just some prosperity preaching right there. That is based on the truth of God's eternal word, the scripture, that if you live your life, if we as a church live our lives based on the purposes of God, trusting in his promises, we will know his favor. Mm, I'm running out of time. Let me tell you some things about God, in case you don't know. You ready? God does not speak just to hear himself talk. God does not speak just to hear himself talk, and God always means exactly what he says. God always means exactly what he says. Last one, God always, always does what he says he will do. The most reliable way for you and I, both as individual Christians and as a church, to know the blessing of God is to honor his design for how he created something to work. Listen to me, the very first thing that we learn about the God of the universe is this, he's a creator. The very first verse of the Bible, in the beginning, God created. He's a designer. You and I would do really, really well if we could learn that God is a designer and what he designs always works. And if we would live our lives according to God's design, then it will work and we will enjoy the benefits that the creator, the designer intended in the first place. Does that make sense? The most reliable way to enjoy the blessing of God is to honor his design for how he created something to work. Just fill in the category. You want to talk about marriage working? Do it God's way. You want to talk about a family thriving? Do it God's way. If you want to talk about sexual intimacy, fulfilling and providing what the designer intended, you need to do it God's way. You step outside of God's design. Don't be surprised that your heart gets broken, that your body gets broken and your soul gets hurt. Health, rest, work, they all have a God-given design. And when we live in keeping with the design, then we know the benefits the designer intended. Relationships, money, money. There's a God design for money. Faith, church. So, I'm over time. Bugging me. 
and I'm trying to decide. Something you should know. I'm married to the children's pastor. All right, so look. This is a promise of God. He says, keep this book of the law, the scriptures. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Spend time meditating on it day and night so that you will be careful to do everything written in it. How much of it? Everything written in it. Now watch this. This is the God of the universe saying what he means. Then you will be prosperous and successful. That's what we're exploring over the next seven Sundays. Doing what God has established in his eternal word that he's promised to bless that whether a church or an individual Christian will choose to do it his way, they'll know his blessing. And I'm gonna end there. There was more. (laughs) Maybe you'll come back next Sunday and I can pick up where we left off. Because I wanna take you to what I believe maybe one of the most uh, exciting, dynamic promises of God in the pages of the scripture, that if you don't know it, you're missing out. And then we'll step off into the other seven messages that we have for this series. Make sense? Sorry, I'm over. Let me ask you to stand together. If I haven't met you, I'd love to meet you. I mean that sincerely. I'll be over here in this corner of the auditorium after the service. I'd love to shake your hand and find out your name and hear a little of your story. So please take the opportunity to do that. Our Father in heaven, you're amazing. Your sovereignty, your power, is unmatched. You have no competitors. Nobody is your equal. So when you speak up and you say that things will go the way that they'll go, we have every confidence in the world that our trust rests securely and safely in that. God, I want to be a church. I want to be a pastor of a church that believes your promises, takes you at your word and lives with courage and confidence in the hope of a very bright future because we're, we're doing what you designed to work. God, I pray that every single person in this room and online will be back here next Sunday to hear the rest of this story. Until then, Father, 
May we be grateful and humble. Thankful for your grace in our life and the outrageous promises that you've made to each and every one of us, your sons and your daughters. Thank you for these moments together in Christ's name. Amen. All right, everybody, have a great week.